the City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hello, everyone. This is Russell Cox. I'm the editor of the Municipal Association's Uptown Publication and Digital Production Manager. And joining me today is Tiger Wells, our Director of Governmental Affairs. Tiger, how are you? How are you, Russell? It's good to be here. Ordinarily, when Tiger comes on the City Quick Connect podcast, it's to discuss a piece of legislation currently before the General Assembly. But today, for the first time, we are instead going to be talking about a state law that's been on the books in one version or another for many years, and that's the South Carolina Freedom of Information Act. Yes. The FOIA, or FOIA as it is often called, was first enacted in 1978. Tiger, I was once a newspaper reporter, and in that job I would make requests pursuant to this law to obtain public information, and these are known as FOIA requests. Reporters often make these requests, but anyone can do it. But many people have never done such a thing. And Correct. for those people, can you give us an explanation of what FOIA is and what it is supposed to do for municipal government and other government? Right, right. Yeah, my pleasure. And and I know, you know, you and I uh, and, and everybody here at the association kind of shares the belief in the importance of FOIA. And FOIA mm-hmm. is all about sunshine. Many states, if not every state, has some form of sunshine legislation is, is what they are, how they are oftentimes, you know, called or termed. And kind, that kind of harkens back to that old saying that uh, there is, is no better extringent or, or uh, antiseptic than, than sunlight, mm-hmm. you know. Oftentimes in the past, in the bad old days, as you might say, you had a lot of deals and things to get done in the in dark rooms, smoke-filled rooms, as you'll <laughs> hear, hear people say. Um, and so the idea is that if you require a lot of this uh, business, public business, to be done in public through public meetings, to make records, to make documents that are related to that public business accessible by the public, that you remove some of the mystery. Uh, Human beings, when we don't know something, when something is a mystery, our imaginations can run wild, and sometimes they they run in a negative direction quickly. So FOIA, not only does it keep the public in the know, but I think it also protects governmental officials in, in, in that it kind of holds at bay some of the presumption that there may be something negative going on when you're really trying to do your level best to to handle the people's business effectively and efficiently. So it promotes credibility. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. There are a number of requirements for cities in terms of the deadlines they have when fulfilling a request or the requirements they face when calling and publicizing a public meeting. So could you talk a little bit about what kind of issues, concerns, problems can come up for cities and towns when they are fulfilling the requirements of the law? Sure. I guess one big thing to highlight, and uh, this is a, a recent change, for many years when you received a FOIA request, a written FOIA request, you had 15 business days within which to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's to respond, to not actually produce the records, but to simply 
respond and to indicate that you had received the request and you were going to grant the request, you were going to fulfill the request, or you did not believe what was requested was either in their possession or was subject to FOIA. Um, when you say in their possession, they don't right. have to they don't have to construct a document. They either have a document or they don't. Exactly right. Um, in South Carolina, that's a, that's a great point of clarification because in South Carolina, we have a Freedom of Information Act that is really a, a, an open records law mm-hmm. um, and open meetings law, not so much just a, you don't just have the, the responsibility to compile any information that someone asks you to compile. So if you don't have a document that reflects what's being requested, you don't have to create one. Mm-hmm. State law doesn't require you to. But again, the the a couple of years ago, the timelines changed, mm-hmm. and, I, and 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 you know some would say it changed uh, significantly. Instead of a flat fifteen day response period. You now, for documents or records that are less than two years old, less than 24 months old, you have 10 business days within mm-hmm. which to respond. Um, and for records that are two years old or older, you have 20 business days uh, mm-hmm. within which to respond. And obviously that can get a little complicated if you have requests that span you know, records that might be few, you know, less than two years old mm-hmm. and some that are more than two. But we also got greater flexibility in the law as it was changed a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think it changed for the better. It actually encourages public bodies that are receiving these requests to have a conversation with, to reach out to the people who are requesting the records. And if they agree uh, together, on a different timeline, that now is something that is now sanctioned under the law, that is allowed under the law. And uh, so if you've got a request for some some huge voluminous request and you reach out to that entity and you say, well, yeah, I think we have this information, but it's going to take a little bit longer to pull it, you know, together than, in, than normal, um, that agreement or that consent cannot be unreasonably withheld. So if it's someone who, who, you know, while talking to you, they acknowledge that, yeah, that's a reasonable request, but you know what? I'd rather, you know, get you if I can get you. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm not going to agree to that. Well, arguably the new law as it is written would give you some remedy or at least, you know, forces them to be more reasonable. Mm-hmm. A couple of the other things that come to my mind are not everyone charges for fulfilling one, but that is that is regulated. That's right. That's right. You must have a fee schedule now Mm -hmm. Um, that is required. You are not required to charge, but but you may uh, charge. And now you are specifically allowed uh, to charge up to 25 percent of the anticipated cost before you even start pulling the request together, mm-hmm. which is, a, you know, I tend to refer to that or think of that as the skin in the game clause, mm-hmm. right? It keeps me from going to a municipality and saying, you know what, I want every email. Ever that, sent. That, yeah, every <laughs> email ever sent or every email related to this particular project. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, knowing that it's going to be a, a big task for someone to pull that together, it puts the public body in the position to say, okay, we've looked at that. We have the documents you've requested. 
we anticipate that it's going to cost X amount of dollars in order to make those copies and pull that together. And so we require 25% upfront mm-hmm. before we start. That way they don't put some put all the time into pulling it t- together only for me to never show up and, and pick it up, mm-hmm. which, which happens mm-hmm. from time to time. Also, an- another key issue I would think is prohibitions against using the information obtained for commercial purposes. Yes, yes. I think, you know, that's an Im- important piece. And this, it actually, you know, the, the Freedom of Information Act is found at Title 30, uh, Chapter 4. And there's a, a Family Privacy Protection Act. It's in a, in a different chapter, mm-hmm. um, but that's where that little tweak now shows up. I cannot go and request a, a record and request uh, request a record from a public entity knowing that I'm going to get access to personal information that I then turn around and use for the purposes of, of a commercial solicitation. So I can't build my call list mm-hmm. by uh, getting public records and then calling people at their personal homes and on their personal phone numbers based on that. That's now a crime. So can you talk a little bit about the consequences of FOIA violations for a city or town government? It can be expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be, it can be uh, very expensive. You can easily end up getting hit with tens of thousands of dollars in uh, legal costs and, mm-hmm. and attorney's fees. There, there is a new provision that was added in 2017 uh, that says if if you receive a FOIA request and uh, let's say you believe that FOIA request is is somehow invalid mm-hmm. and there is a a challenge and at the circuit court level, which is the kind of the first level of the the, the court system process mm-hmm. before it goes through to the appeals court or the Supreme Court, if you prevail at that point, it gives rise to a presumption of of goodwill basically Mm -hmm. which which gives you some protection and what that basically says is well since you prevailed on the lower level then it is highly likely that you weren't just trying to stonewall this person Mm -hmm. you you weren't just trying to hide information or not give them what they were were due um or what what you owed them as a public body uh instead you made and you may have made an honest mistake and that's assuming that later on a Court of Appeals or Supreme Court were to go the other direct the other direction and say the lower court made a mistake, we disagree with them. We think legally you should have produced this record. Mm-hmm. In the past, that could have easily resulted in you getting saddled with legal fees for the other side that could have been fifty thousand dollars or more. You've had cases in the past where people have been hit with those kinds of bills. Mm-hmm. This new law would actually protect you. And it says since you prevailed on the lower level, you cannot be made to pay the legal fees or costs for the other side if it ultimately goes beyond that circuit court level and you ultimately lose Mm -hmm. as long as you prevailed on the first level. (laughs) So um, retaining electronic records has become a more important topic for FOIA in recent years. Could you talk and and. And a lot of interesting stuff's been happening there. So could you talk yes. a little bit about what's happening in, in that side of it? it? You know, it is interesting. 
our communication and the way we communicate is changing so mm-hmm. so rapidly and it's so you know so vastly different than what it was in the 70s mm-hmm. right when when the FOIA law was was first uh, put in place we we send text messages to one another some people conduct their business their public business on their on their cell phones mm-hmm. they communicate with constituents on social media you know a lot of people of course you know may be uh, familiar with with recent rulings on the federal level that you know if you kind of use your Twitter account to communicate with uh, the public that you may not be able to block somebody, mm-hmm. you know, who you don't like. You might not like some of the comments that they make about you, and but you can't necessarily block them because now some of the courts are saying, well, this gives rise to, a, you know, almost like a, uh, it becomes a free speech mm-hmm. uh, matter and a public forum issue. And knowing how to navigate these different platforms, these different communications platforms and when do you have to archive a record? Like, when do you have to actually capture and keep a text message? Mm-hmm. When do you have to capture and keep an exchange on social media? Fortunately, you know, here in South Carolina, we have the Department of Archives and, and History, mm-hmm. who, and I would encourage any municipality that has not done this to work with the Department of Archives to, to come up with a retention policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you come up with that retention policy and you make sure that anytime you are destroying records or deciding how long to retain records, you do it in compliance with your policy, I think you've protected yourself you know, from some of the ta- attacks that you might otherwise be susceptible to. We actually had someone from archives come and speak to our municipal attorneys association a year or so ago mm-hmm. and um and it was very illuminating very enlightening to hear uh, her perspective on that and uh, i think a lot of folks went away from that meeting thinking i better work with archives <laughs> so i can be protected mm-hmm. uh, that's everything for me tigers there anything else you'd like to add um, no, I just uh, thank you for, for, for having me on to talk about this. Uh, again, I think it's it's important stuff. You know, I've, I've read recently about entities that have proactively done more to put some of the, the records that are subject to FOIA online and to make them available. Some of the, the low-hanging fruit. That's that, right. Yeah. That's right. Just and go you, ahead and get it on the website. Go ahead and put it on the website. And I mm-hmm. imagine that in terms of of man hours in terms of public perception, mm-hmm. um, it would be really interesting to see how that may have positively impacted public perception of that entity because mm-hmm. then it, it becomes even clearer that this group is not, we're not hiding anything. We're mm-hmm. putting it all out there. <laughs> and if you want it, you can go get it online. Mm-hmm. And not to mention saving man hours that it would take to actually go pull those records. Mm-hmm. We have resources on FOIA on our website on www.masc.sc and one of the things we turn to time and again the South Carolina Press Association has a public officials guide to compliance with the South Carolina Freedom of Information Act it's got a lot of stuff in it. it's got the exact text of the law with explanation for each for each part and how to on how to respond to request so that's one of the resources you can find on our website um, you can find that one under the keyword publications for those who'd like to read more on that. 
Well, Tiger, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, Russ. <laughs> and thanks to all our listeners. The City Quick Connect podcast is one of several ways the Municipal Association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting South Carolina cities and towns. Learn more at www.masc.sc and stay up to date with the association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.